Welcome to the Machine Learning and Healthcare Podcast by Skin Analytics. I'm your host, Neil Daly, and this is where you can hear all about how machine learning technology is changing the world of healthcare. Well, welcome back. This week, we're talking about the COVID-19 global pandemic and what we're starting to see happening within the NHS. It's obviously a very topical subject and one that is loaded with huge amounts of complexities. But one of the things that I've noticed that the UK has been very good at over the course of its history is really rising to the challenge of uh, awkward or challenging situations and finding really uh, innovative solutions. And I'm delighted to uh, speak to Dr. James Omaru again, uh, and I'd like to hear his perspectives about what he's seeing happening across the NHS, and I can share what I've been seeing as well. Hi, Neil. Thanks for having me back. Welcome back. Yes, it's great to have you. And I, I think, James, you know, you've been part of an effort to try and help coordinate some ideas around uh, how technology can help in this uh, crisis. Maybe you can share some of your perspectives of what you're seeing from the top level down. Yeah, sure. So obviously with my position in the space, running a podcast, which is now listened to in 97 countries on health tech and obviously having run a couple of health tech accelerators and having that network and fortunately having that kind of personal reach to all my socials and stuff. I am in a position where I see quite a lot of what's going on in the, in the health tech market. And obviously I've got the ability to help somewhat, um, albeit guilt ridden with the fact that I can't help from a clinician's perspective anymore. Um, or at least apparently not, although they're doing, making some efforts to bring some people back, I think, but yeah, no, I've seen encouragingly, you know, a lot of, a lot of people innovating, basically, to cut a long story short. I mean, the Director General of the World Health Organization said in his four-point plan that one of them is innovating, and I'm definitely seeing a lot of that on the ground floor. We've seen, particularly in the areas of telemedicine, it's the obvious one, both from the fact that you know we need to see patients remotely, but also, interestingly, doctors that ha- and other clinicians that have to self-isolate still want to be helpful. So them having the ability to, to do things remotely has been extremely important so that they can continue to use their skills on the front line without giving the risk to uh, obviously infecting other people. So telemedicine in general and, and, and remote working obviously has just seen a huge amount of, of uptake as well as things like remote triage and all those different things and so from from a technology perspe- perspective that's that's been the biggest gain that I've seen but interestingly on more of a kind of a I guess a, a philosophical level and, and the way that these people and the way that these companies are interacting with each other there have been a lot of partnerships and there have been a, a lot of throwing away of competition, perhaps. I know there's been a lot of companies that have pivoted into telemedicine that haven't necessarily done it before. Similarly, the companies that have been in telemedicine a while have, have offered their expertise to those that are coming into it brand new. And I think there's that realization that a rising tide raises all ships. You know, I think it's great for companies to be that already have distribution uh, to customers to move into it, to help those new customers to telemedicine come into it with a brand that they understand and i think the established guys in the space are looking at that as a positive and saying well actually make sure you do it right because we want those people to remain in telemedicine we want this whole sector to increase uh, as a whole so actually we want it delivered well so we're going to offer our advice and, and do things from that perspective so interestingly the partnerships are starting to to solve problems end to end as partnerships tend to you know when you've got these startups that look after one part of the pathway it's never a good thing it's always about picking patients up at one 
at, at one part when they when they have symptoms or they go to the health system and then actually sorting them out completely before placing them back down again so i think there are a lot of partnerships being done around obviously the covid19 clinical workflow and things like that so yeah it's been a time of coming together it's been a time of innovating and and the more that i see the the more i like i've had a lot of startups send me little audio clips as well for the podcast so i put a call out for startups to send me two to five minute audio clips on their company and what they're doing to help and so i'm trying to stitch that into into episodes which i'm putting out on sundays as well as bringing in the ones that are helping significantly onto my episodes on thursdays and so hopefully getting the word out that way and trying to you know use my reach and, and have a bit of a forum for that sort of stuff so yeah lots of lots of encouraging stuff at a time where it is often uh, yeah quite distressing news it's good to, it's good that there is some optimism well, you know, I was thinking about this and, and going right back to where you started. Uh, I was on my way into the office today, uh, which is uh, anomaly because we are, as a company, working from home. Yeah. Uh, we provide a remote uh, telemedicine service, a remote dermatology service for um, uh, some of our partners. And so we still have to send out the equipment and, and manage that side of things, which is why I'm in the office. But on the way into the office, I had this thought where... You know, I, I, I found the first couple of days of working from home quite disruptive in terms of just getting used to a new way of working. I, I think I made about 60 phone calls yesterday. Yeah. Oh, my God. And it, it was manic, you know, just just changing direction and dealing with lots of different things by picking up the phone and making phone calls. And it was very uh, different way of working to the way that I had been instead of sort of reaching over, grabbing fear. Yeah question but your slack messages did have an urgency about them yesterday i must admit <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they did they did i you know we covered a lot of ground yesterday in, in a single day um but uh you know what i was thinking is that with all these tools with slack with skype uh with zoom with hangouts um we're so much better able to deal with the global pandemic and the isolation that we need to to uh, impose on ourselves to try and minimize the risk to the to the population we, we can do things now that we were never able to do before and from a business point of view that is hugely powerful because on my way in as i, I started the story i, I noticed a, a handful of people around and i thought to myself that it was really amazing how few people are in the center of london how many people are trying to comply with these self-isolation guidelines uh, and how much business is, is actually carrying on as normal despite these sort of fairly unique um, isolation uh, approaches. So, you know, I think that that's a really positive thing. And, and then I guess if I, if I think about what we're seeing so far across the NHS uh, is, is also really exciting. As I mentioned, you know, the UK is, is really good at innovating when it faces a, a challenging situation and it looks like the whole uh, NHS care delivery system across London is reorganizing itself now to really find ways of efficiently dealing with patients and trying to keep patients with suspected, uh, you know, viral infections away from patients that might have emergency elective surgery or, or um, something that, that doesn't carry the risk of getting infected. And you don't necessarily want those two groups of people to meet. Um, and, you know, the, the, the country is almost stepped up onto a war footing and the NHS is responding in kind, whether or not we're able to change fast, uh, rapidly enough to, to, to be able to deal with the, the wave of, uh, of sickness that's coming our way, I don't know, but I'm really encouraged to see it. And as you say, you know, one of the manifestations is a, is a wide sort of partnership or uh, this sense of community of, of how do we work together where we might have competed in the past. Uh, but also we're starting to see 
uh, decision making at the NHS, which is always done uh, in, in a sort of committee approach where you've got many, many different stakeholders who all have a view, is now being streamlined and innovations are being fast tracked. So they, they sort of get a clinical sign off, an operational sign off, and then they're sort of implemented. And that's a huge opportunity for the pathway redesign work that many of us are trying to do, whether that's telemedicine and, and, and dealing with more patients uh, remotely, which is, is a great area of, um, of, of uh, where the future is going, but uh, also when we're starting thinking about, well, how do we make the use of technologies, the best use of technologies to redesign these pathways? And for example, we're working with one very large trust and we're thinking about you know, if we wanted to stop people coming into the hospital that weren't sick, but were worried about cancer, we can't tell them to come back in six months because cancer is cancer. It doesn't stop. So we have to assess these patients. Well, how do we do it out in the community with uh, healthcare associates or nurses that we can train up very quickly to run a very efficient service that allows our dermatologists to focus on, on treating patients and actually dealing with the complex cases, but also allows our dermatology departments to uh, reuse some of their expertise and equipment to deal with the overflow of patients that are going to come our way from from the, the viral infection. So it's it's a fascinating time to watch how the NHS is responding. And I think we're going to see some innovations that come through that not only uh, do amazing things for this epidemic that we're facing, but also change pathways for good, that they end up being much more effective and streamlined when we get out of the crisis, which I think is, is fascinating. Yeah, I completely agree. And that is the optimist view that, that those things will will change forever and, and let's hope so. I think there is, as you say, there's certainly a, a more of an openness to innovation. There's no doubt that there are many, many organisations, you know, in the NHS or even, you know, the wider UK health system that are going to be far more digitally ready to cope with, proposals of new technology and all the rest of it particularly you know, in the context of you guys for like things done remotely you know telemedicine teledermatology it's those pathways are going to be the same because at the moment yes okay we're seeing it in primary care but the argument in primary care at the moment as well is that look as you quite as you quite rightly said with oncology you know primary care doesn't stop just because we've got lots of coronavirus coming in there are still cancers that need to be picked up. There are still these other things that need to happen. The people with coronavirus also need other things fixing about them too. And so there's all these things that need to continue, which is why it's not just a case of saying like, oh, let's just stop all that other stuff and focus on coronavirus. It's why innovation does need to happen across the board, really. And, and the, the people that are helping are quite rightly partnering with lots and lots and lots of different startups to, to get this done. So, um, yeah, I completely agree. It's extremely encouraging. And I think the, it's like I said on a couple of these podcasts over the last couple of weeks, which is that necessity is the mother of invention, right? We're just at a point where all of these things need to happen. The expectation of healthcare is still very high. We are expected to deal with this. We are expected to, to keep some things going. We are expected to deliver healthcare as much as we can. And that is indeed the, the hopes and desires of everybody involved from a personal perspective too. So yeah, I think whilst difficult times, there is optimism to be seen in what might happen as a result of all this information, uh, uh, innovation, sorry. You know, the streamlining of all those services, as you say, if we can get that to stick and we can get that done now so that people can see the benefits in future let's hope that um things don't go back to the way they were in terms of all the difficulties with sign off and things like that 
Yeah, well, I mean, I think from our perspective, people are trying to find a way to say, yes, let's try this out. Uh, yeah, yeah. You know, traditionally, there's been a sense of, well, look, you know, I've got my day job and I'm busy, so do I really need to be doing this innovation? I mean, you and I talked about this in, in our podcast on your, um, your platform where we we're saying that the, there's a real sense um, from people that uh, innovation is not really rewarded and there's mm. no need to focus on it. Well, that's very much changed and people are starting to think about, well, how can we use this innovation to, to try and take the pressure off? And, and I think you made a really good point there in terms of what I'm seeing in all the conversations we have with senior leaders in, across the NHS is a focus on trying to reduce the number of people in hospitals, firstly, yeah. Uh, and trying to make sure that our, our facilities are most efficiently used to deal with the, the expected flow of patients, but also a very conscious awareness that it's not just cancer, but patients have healthcare needs. They're not going away. And any systems or methods we design have to be um, done with the knowledge that we have to deal with patients' healthcare concerns rather than just concerns around uh, this virus that's going around. And from our perspective, that that is particularly interesting. And as you said, there's this huge push to telemedicine. Uh, and I think as far as we can tell, I've, I've never seen another um, dermatology business that runs a completely remote tele-dermatology service where, you know, we send out equipment to patients and we help them image their lesions and then we have them assessed and tell them what they need to do next. Uh, that service is, is increasingly uh, going to be called on and we've already seen an increase in, in usage. And I think that that's a really good way to keep people safe and in their homes. It's not a long-term solution to uh, how we deliver these pathways. It's very much a short-term solution that will augment these other uh, pathway designs that we're talking about where you can have uh, nurses and healthcare assistants triaging a large number of patients uh, in, in sort of community clinics. But um, I do think that this sort of mix of these short-term emergency solutions coupled with these pathway redesigns are gonna leave the NHS looking very, very different in the next 18 to 24 months. Um, that is only gonna be a good thing. Well, that's just it, right? If, if in your example there, the hospitals need to free up more capacity to deal with respiratory stuff. So if you can streamline the dermatology pathways in your example, so that that can be taken care of in the community and leave the hospital nice and free, then it's going to be done now more than ever. So you'd expect those things to be pushed through quicker. You'd expect those things to be pushed through more. And then after this hopefully goes away relatively soon you can't imagine that if it's been working and is running very efficiently and requires less staff and less time and saves money that it would then be like oh let's just uh let's just flood this pathway with loads more steps and just put loads of humans back involved you know do you know what i mean it's 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 likely that these things will stick and i think yeah it's just worth noting that you don't have to have a respiratory innovation to be helping with the crisis right now whatever you can do to help the the, the system and the flow to cope with the respiratory problems, that's absolutely fine. Even if that's in, in the case of you guys in dermatology to streamline those pathways, to make those more efficient, to free up capacity, to be, you know, uh, refocused, I think ideal. Yeah, absolutely. So thanks very much. I think from me, my final thought really is uh, to, to leave this podcast. Uh, I might be considered an optimist, but I am seeing such incredible uh, dedication and focus from a whole range of people across the NHS to find solutions to be able to deal with this impending crisis. 
And I believe that we're going to do a fantastic job in doing it. And I believe that we're going to change the sort of innovation landscape across the NHS in doing it, uh, which leaves me to think that in, in two years, three years time, the NHS will look like a different organization and one that we'll be uh, proud of, not uh, simply because of, of its social roots, but proud of in terms of its, its ability to deliver high quality care in the most cost effective way. So thanks again, James, and uh, you stay safe. Thanks, Neil, you too. Hi, everyone. Thanks for listening to the Machine Learning and Healthcare podcast and for making it all the way to the end of this episode. If you enjoyed it, remember to subscribe, rate us and leave a review. And you can head to the description of this episode to follow us on all of our socials so you don't miss out on any of the latest content around machine learning and healthcare.